Thank you for joining us here at VLC. Our purpose is helping people discover and develop a life in Christ. Now here is Pastor Gary Tony. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts today. For every person that has taken time out of their schedule to come to this place, to, to watch or to listen online, Holy Spirit, today, let your word come alive. Allow us to be a vessel that your new wine flows out of, impacting everyone that we contact. May we truly represent you in such a way that we are the light of the world, that you can rely on each one of us, Father, not just to hear, but to do. In your precious name, Jesus, amen. Worship team, thank you. Good to see you guys this morning. Happy Valentine's Eve. Oh, that's not a thing? Oh, okay. Well, tomorrow's Valentine's Day, so, you know, maybe you don't celebrate that. Okay, it's going to be one of them kind of days. All right. That's okay. Look, I can serve it up. Huh? You can, you can, you can, you can shun me all you want to. Yeah. Let's get right into it with that attitude, okay? Yeah. Uh, now, now, listen, we've been in this series for a number of weeks talking about living in two worlds. We're using the book of Ephesians as our foundation, and, and as, as I've said throughout the talk, man, you could spend the rest of your life in that book and not get all the revelation that's in it. But I promise you this, if you want to change your life, set up camp there, because it will not only give you revelation, but direction. It will, it will give you the inspiration to step out in faith and embrace a life that God has already made available. And so everything about this talk that we've been in, it hinges on the reality that, that the moment you give your life to Jesus. Now, this is, the, this is a big takeaway for you. Because what I've discovered over my years as a pastor is that a lot of us, we get just enough of a truth of what Jesus has accomplished, of who he is, that we escape hell. But the thing about the gospel, it's not escapism. You're not, you don't just get Jesus into your life to miss the bad. <clears throat> we have Jesus in our life to discover the good. I mean, he has given us this brand new way of living, this born-again nature. You have to understand you're born into a new world. And I know that when I make statements like this, some of you are like, yeah, but what's that got to do with now, man? It has everything to do with now if you choose to believe it. Now, if you don't believe it, then you're just punching your religious ticket. And many people do that, wonderfully saved, going to heaven. You understand, we're not questioning your salvation today. That is not our responsibility. I, I've, I've said at the, at, at the bedside of people that are getting ready to pa pass over to the other side, and every, everything I've known about their life has been anti-God. But something crazy happens on the threshold of that next dimension. All of a sudden, people come to a reality that, wait a minute, what happened? All of a sudden, all, all of a sudden, everything that they've done their whole life, all the anti, I don't believe in God, you Christian people, you're all, now all of a sudden, they're calling the preacher. Why is that? You ever thought about it? Why you got to call the preacher now? Why didn't you call me when everything was going good? Why did you talk bad about me? But, you, but we, don't, we don't treat them. Why? Because we, we're not the one to judge them. You with me? Yeah. 
Everything about this life that I'm talking about throughout this series, you have to be open to the reality that you belong to a new world. You were born into the kingdom of heaven, all while still confined to this natural world. But here's the deal. Most of us, most of the time, can we just be real? We're more aware of, we're more committed to this world. I mean, if you were to just do a chart of your week, you know, well, I, John did a, a fabulous sermon Wednesday night, if y'all weren't here for that, but my man, he's intellectual. He's got charts and graphs, and I'm like, I'm like I need a chart, man. Huh? Because when you understand that you're born of a different world, you have to focus something on, you have to give some time to that for it to be a reality in your life. But most of our time, if we were to evaluate our week, most of our time goes to our family, to our career, to our hobbies. John, what was, how much time did you say we spent a, a week on social media? 17 and a half hours a week on social media. 17 hours just scrolling. You'll heart this one on, you like that one on Instagram? You look up and 20 minutes is gone. Right? What if you took some of that time and dedicated it to your new world, to your new life? The reason that we do it this way, two things. Number one, we've been trained. From childhood, you get trained to, to live, to function as hopefully a successful human. Now, how many of you know unsuccessful humans? You're like, I'm set. I don't want to raise my hand right now. <laughs> Not only are we trained, we're, because of that, we're used to this way of life. Well, and we say stuff like, well, that's just life. Is it? See, you have a new life. And if that life became, even if it came as much of a reality as your natural life is, everything about you would change your level of faith, your level of trust in God. So until we get to the place where spiritual things are a, re, uh, they're a reality in our life, they're gonna, it will always be this kind of churchy, mysterious, will of God kind of thing. But if you've listened to me for any time at all, you know better than that, right? The Word of God is the will of God. Matter of fact, say it with me. The Word of God is the will of God. That's what Romans, Romans 12 makes it very clear. If you want to prove out the will of God in your life, get your mind transformed to the things of God, and you'll prove what the will of God is in your life. No, 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 no more guesswork. It's all taken out. And the thing I love about Ephesians, one of the, the, the biggest things that it drives home, it provides some clarity for us. It gives us the ability to see you know, the new life God made available for us, not a religious life. That's one of the things I despise about the 21st century in the church as we have been so bogged down by religious philosophy, denominationalisms. And you, we got to move past that. It doesn't matter what, um, well, I say, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter what the name is hanging on the building. It can't say Satan. <laughs> okay. But I think we, we need to get past some of this stuff because it's been a big hurdle for people trying to discover Jesus because we shove our denominational approach down their throat. Yeah, you got you to do it our way. What about the Bible? Forget your way. Huh? Don't get hung up on Victory Life Church. Get hung up on Christian. 
Jesus, like him, embracing this new life. And this is the thing I love about Ephesians. It drives this reality home that we are his body on the planet. Us in him and him in us. And we're called to be an expression of him, to express the fullness of his realities. Ephesians chapter 1, remember we've talked about this, just kind of reviewing quickly. But he says this in verse 22, he put all, God put all things under his, Jesus' feet. How much is that? What about your challenge, your struggle, your coworker, that sickness, that lack, that fear, that anger? Say all things. Yeah. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. What you have to understand today is that God is not looking for you to be the church per se in this room today. That's the term we use. You know what God wants? Tomorrow morning. Before you even get to work. On your way. In traffic. How many of y'all have ever been... Now, thank God for Toyota. They have, they have impacted our community wonderfully. But how many of you have been in Toyota traffic? Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> it's, it's a glorious thing, right? I mean, it's like the Indy 500 just let out. And they're right, there, right there on Cherry Blossom, like, wow, man. And I mean, they're, they're bumping and rubbing and oh, get over. And, they, you know, they have a sign language, and it's all that, you know. <laughs> like, wow. You're number one. <laughs> yeah. Right? See, what God is looking for is for us to be the church in the morning. On a Thursday night when your teenage daughter come home and her boy just broke up with her and she don't know what to do and you want to go open up a can of you know what. But you don't. Oh, some of you might. <laughs> yeah. See, being, you got to get this today, guys. Being successful in either one of these worlds, it does require effort intentionality it won't just happen you won't be successful in this natural world just spending seven you keep you keep you know spending 17 18 24 hours a week on social media i tell you what go to work tomorrow instead of doing your job go to social media your boss can be like what are you doing man i'm i'm, I'm on social media right now don't bother me how long do you think that last yeah you'd be out See, you remember we talked about this last week and maybe even the week before, but sometimes you, you need to hear this again, right? But in the book of Jeremiah, God said this, when you get serious about finding me and, and, and you want it more than anything else, I'll make sure that you won't be disappointed. You will find God when you seek him. But God is in a different world, you all. He's not in your religious world. He's not in your denominational world. He lives in a different dimension. I mean, Dr. Yonggi Cho, uh, he, he breaks it down really well in his book, Fourth Dimension. I've only read it about eight times, and I still only get about this much of it. You know, the guy just takes you, and you're like, man, this guy's lost his mind. <laughs> or, or maybe he has a revelation of something that you and I don't yet. Yeah. See, one of Paul's key points in his letter to to, to the church in Ephesians, you know, he's not just praying for God to do some special new thing in our life. If, and we've talked about this, you know, repeatedly. He's praying that we can see, we can comprehend what God's already made available for us. There is a life. There are promises that are yes and amen in Christ. 
not going to be someday. They're already done. God said, see that land? I've already given it to you. Well, I don't have it. Get up. If you go look in uh, Joshua, I think it's Joshua 20, in those latter few chapters, he says to the children of Israel, how long are you going to sit here? Get up and go get it. He was kind of frustrated with them. I wonder if God ever gets frustrated with us. Like, man, I done told you a hundred times. Quit acting like that. I'm going to break some stuff open today that's going to bother you a little bit, just so you know. Okay? Yeah. So, so don't forget... You know, what, what Paul is trying to get us to understand from the very beginning, he's, he wants us to realize and display that our job is to be the fullness of Christ when we show up somewhere. We're his body. And so today I want to take it a step further. And what I would like for you to do, because you know the prayer that we've highlighted for several weeks in Ephesians 1. Well, Paul has another one in Ephesians 3. And what I would like for you to do this week in your study time in Ephesians, is take the two of them and put them together and listen to what God's telling you. You ready? Verse 14, Ephesians 3, 14, for this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole, whole family, say whole family, in heaven and on earth. See, we got family in both places right now. See, this is the thing. I know that there's blood family on the planet, but there's God family in eternity. You know, I tell you guys this all the time, uh, and, and, you know, that's why I, I, maybe that's why some, of them, some people leave my church, because when they find out they're going to be stuck with me forever, like, no, I'm going to find a new one now. <laughs> I'm out. You stuck with me, man. We family. Yeah, you know, sometimes family just show up. I'm like, what are you doing, man? I just thought I was just going to come over and see if you got, you got any sugar. <laughs> huh? Yeah. And as you grow in your relationship, you get more comfortable with one another, right? Here's the thing, uh, as, and I'm, now I'm building up to something, so just stay with me. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Let's read the Bible, all right? From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. The riches of his glory. Didn't we talk a little bit about riches last week? And that word, when I said it, it kind of jumped in my spirit. And then all of a sudden, here it is again. I wonder what the riches of God's glory look like. Huh? Paul said in, in the book of Philippians, God will meet all my needs according to his riches and glory. You understand, there is no lack in heaven. Right? I know, I know some of y'all like, God, then send me some money. There is no money in heaven. And God is not a counterfeit, so he's not going to rain money out of the sky. Y'all lose your mind over that. You'd hurt somebody to get more than the other one. You know how you are. Y'all ever seen somebody play the trick with the dollar on the sidewalk and they got some fishing line tied to it, somebody go to get it and they pull it? <laughs> we should try that, right? Just do some video stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. That he would grant you. Now, this is Paul praying for you. This is what you pray over yourself, over your kids, over your family. God, that you grant me according to the riches of your glory that I be strengthened. Why do I need to be strengthened? Because you're getting ready to do something. That you be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner man. See, what God does is because he lives inside your spirit, his spirit in your spirit, he will strengthen your soul so that you can do the things of God, that Christ dwells in your heart through faith. Now, you understand, when Paul is writing this letter to this young church, he's talking to a vast group of people, some that have been walking with the Lord for some now, some time now, and others that are just now starting to get this revelation. There may be some, when you read this, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, and you get that revelation that that's what it takes. Through faith, Christ lives in you. And then he drops this bomb on them, that you, 
be rooted and grounded in love. I mean, we're going into Valentine's Day. I may as well talk about love, right? That you be rooted and grounded in love, that you are able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height. What is he saying? The unmeasurableness of God's love, that you know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. See, the love of God won't make sense to you. When God says, when God says love your enemy, you're like, blank No. I'm not there yet. But we give in to that stuff, and we soothe our conscience, like, I'm, and we say something, well, I'm not there yet. But, but after I preached it, you don't have an excuse for not being there yet. You're just rebellious because you know better. You know it's going to be by faith that you do it. You know this love that passes knowledge, that you, and then he makes his, Andy, this, this statement just, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now listen, your spirit is born in God's nature, but what if your soul and your will and your emotions and your mental state and capacity, what if you were filled with the fullness of God? Think about it for a second. How many of y'all think Jesus was filled with the fullness? You know, I was, I was in my one-year Bible, and, and I know several of you all are doing the one-year Bible today. I was thinking about you and praying for you yesterday. While you're doing your devotion in your one in your Bible, be very careful that you always interpret the Old Testament through the New. The Old Testament will mess with your head, man. You understand that? If you don't have a foundation of New Testament realities, it will mess. That's why there's so many goofy Christians on the planet, because they try to live out New Te Old Testament stuff, and they're in a new covenant. The old one's gone. Jesus hung the old one on the cross, nailed it to the cross. That's what Paul said. So if you read stuff there, you got to read it in light of who you are. Got that? Okay. Just a little nugget for you there. But I was reading yesterday in my one year, and I come across this statement where, where uh, Jesus was ministering because I believe Jesus was filled with the fullness. Jesus made statements like this, I only do what I see the Father do. I don't know, I'm, I'm not, Annie, I'm not there yet. I cannot in, I cannot in a good conscience tell y'all as your pastor, well, I only do what I see Jesus do. I mean, I like to, and there are days I have my, I have my moments, but... But no, but, but the Bible, you know, they were talking about this story in Jesus. And because we have, we have this mindset, many of us, we've been taught this, yeah, but that was Jesus. Because we, we concluded, because he did all these great things, he did them because he was the son of God. He was this special chosen one. And in one sense of the word, as the sacrificial lamb before the foundation of the world, yes. But in, in, in the son of man, Jesus, he was anointed by the same Holy Spirit that lives I know, but, but, but when I say stuff like that, a couple of you are like, yeah, and the rest of you are like, I don't know. You got a Bible if you don't know about it. Find out. I'm telling you. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know if I believe you. Then what you doing here? Let's, can we be real? We're we, we living in the last days. Just playing around, playing church stuff. That's over, man. Now to him, who, hey, let me have that last one, 19 again. Because he says this, that we may be filled with the fullness of God. How? Verse 20. Now to him who is able, say God's able, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. How? According to the power that worked in Jesus. See, all you got to do is take a minute and read this with some common sense and then get your unbelief out of the way 
and allow the Holy Spirit to change the way you think according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church, in us, by Christ Jesus to all generations. See, we are the ones that are supposed to be demonstrating the power of God on the planet. I know a lot of people are still praying and waiting on a move of God. God move, God move. When you move, God's going to move. We're his body. Now, remember, he says this in verse 21. I got to watch my time today because I got there's some things I have to get to. So y'all, y'all help me, all right? I got to focus. But he says this in verse 21. To him be the glory. Now, pay close attention to this, because what I've learned over the years, you know, number one, God will never share his glory. And I know there are baby, immature Christians that that, that find statements in the Old Testament, well, God's a jealous God, and we interpret that through our humanity. Well, that's a bad thing. Jealousy is not healthy in anywhere, anyway. What God means by that statement, he he is... What he told Moses in the beginning, there shall be no other God but me. I am the El Shaddai, the Almighty, the All-Sufficient, the only one. Uh, That word in the Hebrew means the breasted one. It is the the infant's totally complete source of supply. God says, I'm it and there will be no other. To him be the glory, but he's he's not going to share it, you all. He's not going to share the glory. A perfect example of this. I know many of us, we've wondered about, we looked at the life of Moses and, and all the incredible things that Moses did, but Moses didn't get to go into the promised land. You ever thought about that? Let me help you with it, because I've struggled with it for years. He took the glory. Listen to me, God told him to speak to the rock. He was trying to show us a New Testament standard. Remember the first time God said, strike the rock. But the second time, God didn't tell him to strike the rock, but because of Moses' habits and what he was used to, and he got frustrated because he spoke to the rock and nothing happened the first time, he thought, well, I'll help out here. And he touched the glory. You don't touch it. It's not yours. Thank God in the New Testament under the age of grace, we don't just get smitten by the power of God. (laughs) Because a bunch of us, we wouldn't be here. Right? It's his glory. So you've got to keep your eyes dialed in on him. He will not share it. But the, th- the reason is because a lot of times what, what we do in the New Testament churches, we get to this place where we say stuff like this. Oh, yes, well, I was believing God and I had such faith for God and God moved and you're touching it. You're, you're taking the credit for something. You think your faith did something. Mm, yeah, I knew that would be big. But we've done that. As we, you know, yes, I've been standing with something great happens in your life. Yes, I was believing God, glory to God. And, but but, but your, mo, your heart, you, you're saying it in a way that you're, that, like you're elevating your faith above some, somebody else. It's not how it works, you all. To him be the glory. Listen, if you get a nickel raise, praise Jesus. Huh? If you get favor in the parking lot at the mall, well, you probably won't have trouble with that right now. Nobody goes anymore. <laughs> right? If the Bengals win today, first of all, God ain't in, he's not into sports. Quit, quit praying for God to bless the Bengals to stop it. No, uh-uh, no. Because there's just, there's just as many believers that's believing. What's the other team? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they got believers. That are, you might be a Rams fan in here today. 
Right? Tell them, Stephen. <laughs> Guys, what God is looking for is people that will acknowledge, it, acknowledge him in every aspect of our life. To him be the glory. Why? Because of his exceeding abundant power that works in us. It's only by Jesus. That's, that's why God made statements like my grace. You know, when, when, when his grace was poured out, it was poured out to everybody. To every person. But make sure of this, the more you expose yourself to his grace, the more your soul is transformed through faith. And I can promise you this, the more you expose yourself to the grace of God and you allow the transformation of the Holy Spirit to go to work in you, you'll no longer stay the same towards him. God doesn't change. The Bible says in Leviticus, I am the Lord, the Almighty, and I do not change. God doesn't change. So if God picked you, he picked you. Yeah, and he did pick you. That's one of the things. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. See, this grace, it, we have to access it through faith. Actually, Ephesians 1 says that it is by grace through faith that we've been saved. God sent the grace through Jesus and made it away, but through our faith, we accept that. This is why he told, now, now I want you to think about this. This is a story that that for many years, I, and I don't have all the full revelation of this, but I struggle with it because the Bible says that the Apostle Paul in his ministry, he was harassed by this thorn in his side, right? And I know that some people teach this whole thorn in the side is some sickness that Paul had. Well, you can't even support that with the Bible, so stop that nonsense. That's people trying to search for something. If you actually read the book of Acts, you will see very clearly that it was a messenger, say messenger, a messenger of Satan sent to torment Paul, not a sickness. So it's real simple. I don't know how we got that junk, but when preachers get up and tell you dumb stuff, that's why I tell you don't just assume I'm right. Don't you do it. You got to get into the book for yourself. But Paul is praying about this deal because, well, I guess I need to explain it now. I'm in it. If you go through the book of Acts, the messenger of Satan that was sent to Buffett, that's the word, not Warren Buffett, not Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> the word Buffett means to, to torment, to hit repeatedly. I've, I've taught y'all this before, right? It's like you have a boat that's tied up at the dock in the waves. They're nonstop. That's what the word Buffett means. Well, sickness wasn't doing that in Paul's life, all, all the life of his ministry. You can see that. What was the only thing in the book of Acts throughout his entire ministry that was continually buffeting him? The religious world, the pharisaical system, that cult that was trying to destroy. That's the thing. That was the thorn in his side. And Paul said, God, is, take this away from me. And what God say? My grace is sufficient. See, if, you know, why didn't God take it? Because God was going to allow that to shape Paul. I know you want God to take all your struggles away all the time, but some of those things, not that God put it on you. It was a, Remember Paul's? It was a messenger of Satan. Satan will try to hinder you in every way he can. See, guys, there are still, you, know, you understand, there's still revelation that we need to take away from the book of Ephesians that will help us in some of these things, embracing the grace of God. Faith is our bridge that connects us to that new world. you got to believe this stuff. At the end of the day, you will never be religious enough. You'll never be good enough. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. You actually have to believe 
with the most basic, simple principles of salvation, according to the book of Romans, you have to believe in your heart Jesus came to the planet. You actually have to believe that he died on the cross. You actually have to believe that he rose from the grave. You can't just read the scripture. Oh, yeah, I know what that says. No, you actually have to believe it. And then you have to confess it. And that principle, Paul says in the book of Galatians, the same way you got your life in Christ is how you live your life in Christ. Faith connects us to that world. And so as we kind of, I, I know I've bounced around in, the, in, 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 in these few chapters in Ephesians today, and we'll get back into some of that, you know, uh, but I want to move over to chapter 5 for a little bit and deal with some things. You know, I, I think that, you know, when you look at this subject, here's one of the things I want you to remember. Um, Paul is writing, you know, this letter, this He's, he is their shepherd, and he's writing a letter to this young church. So when you see chapter and verse, sometimes that's great for referencing and study, but you have to understand he's sitting down in prison, and I'm sure he's got a list of questions that these young leaders have written to him. And some of Ephesians, he's responding to some of these situations going on in the local church. And, and we'll deal with some of them today. Next Sunday, we're going to unpack the heck out of it. But because we're going into Valentine's, I want to talk about love a little bit. I want to talk about marriage a little bit. Like, man, I knew I shouldn't have came today. Yeah. Huh? So when he begins to deal with these, these, these issues going on, you have to understand well, that's chapter 5. I, I'm, I'm not there yet in my study. No, you need to let that go. We'll, we'll go back and cover some more of this stuff next week. But when you realize after, after you know, he gave very specific instructions in chapter 4 about embracing the new life, uh, you know, accepting our born-again nature, Paul, he starts chapter 5 with this absolutely profound, I mean, it's almost, it, it seems impossible. And, I, and sometimes I think, well, why would he say something like this? But in Ephesians 5.1, he makes this crazy statement. Imitate God as dear children. Did he say imitate God? Is that what he, did, did he mean imitate? Like, which, which way? Now, now, now listen. I know y'all good with your church answer. All, all of it. How, how you doing with that? Huh? Imitate God. And so, first of all, in order for us to see God, we have to look to Jesus because Jesus said, if you've seen me, so if you want to see what God walks like, talks like, acts like, you got to watch Jesus because when you see Jesus, you, you see God. And Jesus makes statements like this. I only do what I see my father do. Hmm. Then in John 14, he said, if you believe in me and the things I do, you can do them. And then in the Great Commission, he says this. Hey, boys and girls. Remember, there was women there, too. It's not just the 12. I know a lot of people, that soothes your religious conscience. Well, that was just the special 12. Well, one of them really blew it, so they weren't that special. All right? <laughs> Not to mention Peter, 
standing outside the fire watching Jesus be tortured and punished. He said, I don't even know him. So, so save all that. It was the special 12 group. No. Mm-mm. No. There's disciples, and then there's unbelief. All right? And, he, and, and in the Great Commission, he calls them together, and he says, hey, guys, everything that I taught you, everything I commanded you, you go teach everybody else you know to do the same thing. Everything. See, we can imitate God. The problem is, if you're, more, if you're more conformed to this world than transformed to the things of the Spirit, if you're more conformed to this world than your new world, you can't imitate, you can't imitate God. You can't do it. Jesus made this crazy statement. He said, if your eye be single, your whole body will be full of light. What's that mean? If your eye be single... If what you expose your soul to be single. Okay, I didn't want to go here, but I guess I'm going to have to. Remember the 17 hours of social media? Shut it down, man. Because your eyes are not single. Because there's some garbage on social media. Yeah, but it's fun. I like to see what's going on in life. And you call that life? That's fake life. Kind of like fake news. Mm-mm. If your eye be single, if you want to be more like Jesus, you can't earn it. But when you sit in front of that book and it transforms you, this is why I've got you setting up camp in one book, the book of Ephesians. And when you meditate it and you meditate it and you meditate it, what happens is the Joshua 1.8 principle goes into effect. When you meditate into my word, they, not when you have time. Now, he knows you're busy people. He knows you got families and careers, etc. But when the Lord, see, you're, you're spirit-led people in the new covenant. You're born-again people. And so when that thought pops in your head, take a second on your 15-minute break and go read two verses from Ephesians. Ah, oh, no. That's, was, was that you, God? No, it was the devil telling you to read the Bible. <laughs> Come on, man. So, so often we want to sweep the, the leading of the Lord under the rug because it wasn't spectacular enough. You didn't get a handwriting on the wall, burning bush kind of deal. You just got a thought that popped in your head. Oh, maybe because you're born again, that's how it works? <laughs> Imitate God like little kids. So tomorrow, when you find yourself in this challenging situation, you're going to hear You're going to hear my voice in the back of your head. Imitate God. What, what would God do in this situation? See, a lot of you know. You remember back in the day they used to have that WWJD bracelet? Yeah, it didn't mean nothing. <laughs> no, because we, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't follow that rule, did we? What would Jesus do? Not a, but he doesn't understand what I'm going through right now. Mm-mm. No. So we're going to imitate God, and then he goes right into, you got to stay with me on this, because chapter 5, it's going to push some buttons in your life, okay? He tells us to imitate God, and remember, God is what? God is spirit, and God is what? Love. God is love, you all. Y'all going to help me with this? Say, God is love. Okay. Watch this. Ephesians 5, 2. I want to use the amplified. I really like the wording here. Walk continually in love. <laughs> but y'all quiet. I know, right? We, we read like, oh, yes. Okay. I got you. Do you? Watch it. Value one another. Practice 
empathy and compassion. Let me say it like this. When it comes to empathy, I like to word it like this. Instead of you always trying to put somebody else in their place, put yourself in their place. Put yourself in their shoes. Stop, be, stop being so critical of somebody else because they're not where you think they should, should be because you think you're where you, but you're not. I know. I probably didn't say that right, but walk continually in love, value one another, practice empathy. Say practice. Practice empathy and compassion, unselfishly seeking the best of others. I won't tell you what, man. Once I got in, I'm like, mm, man. Because can't we be real? Our human nature, we're pretty selfish sometimes. Or maybe it's just me. I don't know. But, you know, sometimes, you know, Tracy brought uh, my M&Ms out the other night. <laughs> I'm like, man, you talk about M&Ms a lot. Well, they make great stories. Y'all, y'all laugh at it, and, you know, and then she steals them and hides them from me. Here's the, here's the thing. It backfired on her, though. She hid my M&M's in the freezer. I never had frozen M&M's. I mean, you talk about, it went to a whole nother level, man. If you've never had frozen M&M's, it'll change your life. But I'm, not talk, I'm talking about selfishness for a minute because our human nature. So she, we, we both get this little, how many, 14? 12. Who counts M&M's, first of all? Anyway, so she brings, we both get one. We're sitting there, you know, watching a little TV. And she had to go in the kitchen for a second, so I reached over in her bowl. <laughs> yes. Why would, why would I do that? Because my human nature is selfish. We are selfish in even the stupidest things, aren't we? See, it's kind of like the other night when John was talking about money in, our, in his Wednesday night message. If, you, if you're not going to give 10% of a dollar, quit lying to Jesus and yourself. You wouldn't give 10% of a, a thousand. You wouldn't do it. That's why, that's why he started you with baby steps, man. Give 10% of a dollar. If you can do that, then he'll graduate you. But if you can't be faithful in a little, yeah. Walk continually in love. I better get back to love instead of money. <laughs> Value one another. Yeah, but I don't really know them that well. That's okay. You, you, you know, God's not asking you to be best friends with everybody, but value people. Be nice to people. Practice sympathy, compassion, unselfishly seeking the best of others. See, something that you all could learn this week, when somebody else gets the victory instead of you, celebrate it with them. Instead of, instead of soothing your conscience, be like, Lord, you know I was believing for that. How come you let them have it? Come on, guys. Just as Christ loved you and gave himself for us, an offering, a sacrifice. See, here's the thing, guys. If you ever plan on stepping into this new world, walking in the spirit, it starts with walking in love. God is love. God is spirit. Something else you have to stay aware of is the fact that there's nothing that we can do. Now, this is going to help some of you today. There's absolutely nothing. Anybody in this room, anybody watching or listening, there's nothing that you can do 
to make God love you any more than he already does. And we like that part of it. But here's the other side of that. There's nothing anyone in this room, no one, there's nothing you can do that can make God love you any less. He loves you. His love is forever settled. God doesn't change. For God so loved the world that he sent his son for us. So you have to stay aware of that. So God's love for us never changes, but I promise you with all of my heart that the moment you start drawing closer to him, your love for him will absolutely change. You will fall more in love with Jesus than you ever have before, and all of a sudden some of the things that were important to you are no longer important to you because now you're putting the kingdom of heaven first, and you're like, okay, Lord, what would you have me do in this situation? And then he sent Paul to write this letter to kind of give us some instruction on what to do in this situation. Then he says this in chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, don't be unwise. I mean, you could take that right there. like, Don't be unwise. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, why in the world, Jack, would God tell us to understand what his will is if we couldn't understand what his will is? You can. The problem is we want it easy. We want God in our microwave. We want God at the drive-thru. Instapot God. No. God is, the prophet Isaiah, I've, I've said this throughout the talk, God is a line upon line. Precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Revelation upon revelation, God. You're not going, you couldn't handle, your mind would blow up. That's why Paul says we, we see through a lens dimly. You're not going to see it all. You couldn't handle it all. If God showed us the fullness of the kingdom, a bunch of us, we'd just be ready to check out. We'd go, I'm out. Let's, right? But, but we, you, you, you're here, so you can't go, all right? Don't be unwise when I understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, I bring this next verse up cautiously. But understand, Paul is writing to the church. And he said, don't be drunk with wine or whatever yours is today. Don't be drunk, which is dissipation. He's saying, guys, when you get drunk, it ruins your life. That's what this word dissipation means. It will destroy you. He said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. See, if you spent time with Jesus, you got full of the Spirit. I mean, I can remember. Can I? I know my time's running out. I got a funny story for you, okay? Because, I don't know, some of, Jack, I'm sure you have, some of you charismaniacs in the room. You ever seen anybody drunk on the Holy Ghost? No, 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 put your hand up. Let me see if, if, if I just need to make sure I'm not by myself before I tell this story. Okay. Because a lot of people think you're crazy. But see, the, when, when, when folks are willing to step out and try something that, that's spiritual that they've never experienced before, you might look a little dumb. If you go back to Acts chapter 2, when they first got filled with the Holy Spirit and they came out talking in tongues, what did they say about them? Well, they must be drunk. Yeah, but not with wine. Anyway, my story. I, I'm, I'm, I'm out at Bible college, and there's this big event that, that uh, Brother Hagin, of course, Brother Hagin lives in heaven now, but he used to have these Holy Ghost meetings, man. And I mean, crazy stuff. And I'm out there, and the Spirit started moving in the room, and, and I, I, of course, I've never seen stuff like this, you know. I am freaking out. I'm an usher. 
I'm actually one of the, 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 I'm leading the department at that time with ushers. I'm kind of the head of the crew. And I'm like, what's going on here, man? And there's people falling out. There's people running. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, this, this can't be real. It was, probably, it was probably one of the most real, in the beginning, my mind was freaking out on it. And then I realized, because God helped me, so he said, this is what Peter said that the prophet Joel said would happen in the last days. Amen. This is the spirit. He said, he said, they just don't know how to handle it. You ever watched anybody drunk in the natural the first time? They don't know how to handle it. Like, man, what's wrong with you? Well, I never had this before. <laughs> huh? Well, they had never experienced it before, and the Holy Spirit was on them so strong that they were unstable, and, and I'm, I'm carrying people to their chairs. And they weren't faking it. You understand? I, I know a lot of people like to make fun of that stuff. You need to tread lightly on the things you make fun of when it's spiritual. If you don't know about it, my advice to you is leave it alone. You understand that? I don't agree. Well, then don't agree with it. When you get to heaven, you'll be tore up. But I, but, so I experienced the, the, the part about, that's what Paul is saying. Stop trying to get this fake thing to do what only the Spirit of God will do. And then he says this in verse 19, speaking to one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Now, now Cody, when he says speak to one another in psalms, he doesn't, he doesn't mean, hey, Cody, I want to speak to you in Psalm 34 today. No, just talk it, man. You can talk Psalm 34 without giving a reference. See, you ought to be a walking, talking Bible, man, and, and, and not try to sound King James. You, it just needs to flow out of you. Giving thanks always, verse 20, giving thanks always to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting <laughs> to one another. Now, I've got just a few minutes to get this in. I know, man, I, I, I'm going to hurry. It's coming. I know some of you like, hurry up. Get, it's like tear the Band-Aid off, right? Can I, but, so so, so y'all ready? Yeah. Tell your neighbor, get ready. <laughs> Wives, verse 22. You ready? <laughs> I, know, I knew you weren't ready. Wives, say wives. <laughs> See, it would have probably been better if he would have started with verse 25 where it said husbands. <laughs> but he started with verse 22 for a reason. Wives, submit. Submit to your husband as to the Lord. Now, hold up. Here's the key to this. Because some of y'all are like, you, don't, you want me to submit to what? As to the Lord. See, this is, is going to take faith on your part. He's not just asking you. Well, let me read it, and then we can kind of break it down a little bit, okay? Verse 25. For the husband. Now, y'all understand I'm reading the Bible, right? Okay. For the husband is the head of the wife. Not the boss of the wife. Listen to me and you better listen. I know you, you, you think, yeah, preacher, come on, bring it. You're going to think bring it when I get to 27. 
Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. See, when you, when you start practicing this, when you look at him in the natural, when he used to be a size 32 waist and now he's a 42 waist, you're like, mm-hmm, I ain't submitting to nothing. <laughs> nah, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> but like, like me and Johnny say all the time, when we look at the women, we're like, thank God for Estee Lauder, right? <laughs> I said focus, y'all. Come on. Wives, submit, <laughs> submit to your own husband as, as to the Lord. See, it'll be hard for you to submit to him in the natural, but when you're doing it by faith, Lord, I love you, Jesus. I'm going to submit to this sucker right now. But you know what? <laughs> well, God sees your heart, right? For the husband is the head of the wife, not the boss of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Now, how many times is Christ making the church do stuff? So husband, quit trying to make your wife submit. It never works. That just causes strife. But when you, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to their husband. In how much? Now, Now, I didn't write this, you understand. But here's the key. Husbands, say, I got you, Reverend. Husbands, Love your wife as Christ loved the church. This, guys, this will change marriage across the planet if you put this simple principle into play. Wives will never have any trouble submitting to a husband that loves them like Christ loves the church. It's real simple. All the women was clapping. I'm like, where's the men at with that, man? <laughs> like, you get them, Pastor. Huh? See, it takes revelation for this to happen. But what's crazy is right in the middle of this, list, this lesson about marriage, Paul switches gears and says this. He says, husbands love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her. Now, now he's not talking about husband and wife. Now he's talking about the, the church and him. But he's using the marriage as the picture of that. I tell young people, every time I do premarital counseling, every time I have a young couple standing in front of me when I marry them, I, I, I start out with this is part of my ceremony. This right here, a man and a woman giving their lives together as one, is the eternal picture God chose to represent his relationship with him and his body. It was by design that way. God made it this way on purpose. And so when you start to understand this flow, and it will take faith sometimes for you to love that person. He says that, but, but what Jesus, when he switches gears, he says that he's going to cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, talking about the church, that he might present her, the church, to himself. And you all have heard me talk about this for months now. God is coming back for a glorious church with no spot, no wrinkle of any such thing. That we would be holy and without blemish. Your spirit will, is made like that. And what has to happen is transformation takes place so that we're walking this thing out. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to the wife, and the two will become one. See, that's how you flow together in harmony and marriage. And so from this day forward, those of you listening to me today, you watching me in the kitchen right now, you ready to slap him? Yeah, you, you yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you too. See, when you start doing your part, quit worrying about the other person. Lord, here's what some of us, this is what we pray. God, if you would just make him do this. 
and he never goes to him. He, he goes back to you. He says, huh? When we start putting these things into practice, that's when marriage starts to take on this whole new dimension, and you flow together as one. There becomes this harmony because you actually, you love her as Christ loves the church. You love her as Christ, you love her as Christ. You think sometimes God doesn't look at this and like, man, I want to, I'm breaking up. <laughs> Come on, we're his bride. We're his body. We're they. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I like her anymore. And we say dumb stuff like this. Oh, I, I fell out of love. Like you fell out of a tree. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. No, no, you changed your thinking. You changed something and you quit. No, save that mess, man. Uh-uh. Ain't no falling out of nothing. Especially after today, you're going to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Say, I will. Some of them like, I ain't saying nothing, Reverend. <laughs> Women, you gonna submit to your husband as unto the Lord. I, I'm, I've got some looks like, I don't even like his sermon, Reverend. Well, you need to start liking it because it'll change your marriage, it'll change your home. See, this is the whole, this is God's idea. Yeah? All right. See, I think that if we are willing to embrace these simple truths, now remember, these things that Paul's writing about, it, it, it is on the other side of a renewed mind to the things of God. You, you're just not going to step out one day. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and put on your I'm the best husband shirt. <laughs> She'd be like, put that up. Huh? Yeah. We have to grow in these things, you all. So here's the thing. I, let me get you out of here, but I want to say this. This is one of the things I tell, I tell young people when they're about to get married. It's like anything else in life. The only ones that are good at anything put time into it. It's like a full-time job. Marriage is. If you think you're going to have a great marriage by accident, you're kidding yourself, man. You want to know why it's, it's, it's so broke all over the world? Because we rely on TV and social media to tell us what a marriage should look like. That book will tell you what your marriage is supposed to look like. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husband as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Wives, I could, I could give me a rap song. Going, no, I, I, would, I would never, man. I could, huh? Yeah. I guess I better get you out of here, right? Y'all, did y'all get, is that enough for today? Yeah, I thought so. Okay. I, I, you weren't supposed to say yeah, but you did, so. If you're in the room and you've never given your life to Jesus, this is where all this stuff starts, man. You've got to belong to Jesus. Believe in your heart. Doesn't mean you know everything about Jesus. Nobody knows everything about Jesus. You believe in your heart that Jesus came, that he died, and he rose from the grave. You believe it, and you confess it. That's step one. Whether you're in the room or whether you're listening or watching, step one, give your life to Jesus. We've made it very simple. We're going to say a prayer as a family here in the room. And if you're here, say it with us. Give the Lord a chance in your life. Let's all say it together. Lord Jesus, come into my life and make me new. And from this day forward, Jesus is my Lord. Heaven is my home. And I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you said the prayer and you're in the room, 
stop by our information desk, let somebody know. Those of you that are watching, hopefully you've been connecting with us and some of our, our commu online communications. Let somebody know you just gave your life to Jesus. Most important thing you will ever do in your life. Now for the rest of you, before I let you go, I do want to take a minute and just remind you that if you brought your, your tithe or your offerings today, there are give boxes positioned all over the lobby as you exit the building. I certainly want to, do, to, to take a minute and brag on you. We are, we, we're uh, we're uh, able to do so many wonderful things, helping people, uh, you know, when they need it. And, and the, the Lord has just given us a, a brand new ministry that we're going to connect with. And we've got some information coming uh, on that just, uh, you know, in the upcoming weeks to let you know who that, that new ministry is. But we're able to do this because of your faithful giving. So whether you give here in the room or you go to the, to the app and you give there, I want to I personally take a minute and thank all of you for supporting Victory Life Church, allowing us to continue to move the vision for what God has called us to do. Amen. And then for the rest of you, always remember this, guys. Outside those four walls is your opportunity to be the church. So go be the church today, all right? God bless you all. We love you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to click on the subscribe button. For more information on Victory Life Church, check us out at victorylifeky.com. Thank you so much for listening.